All right, here we go, guys. Welcome to church. I'm so glad to see you this morning. All you smiling faces. I got to tell you, I know we're not the biggest church in town, but I can tell we are the best looking church in town. Can I get an amen? That's right. That's right. Guys, listen, you guys can look around the room. You can see it. We're growing and and chairs are pretty full around here. And and guess what we're doing? Starting October 20th, we are launching into two services. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's right. It's a good thing. You guys are doing some good stuff around here. And and so here's the deal. We want to help be prepared for two services. So here's what I need. I need you to, I need your help. I need you to say, hey, which service do you think you're going to go to? You're not locked into it for life, right? It's, it's not like, oh, well, two years ago I picked the 9 a.m. and I'm not sure what I'm going to. No, let's help us get this thing started, right? And so I need you to help to pick, to help pick a service. We're doing pick a service right now. You can go to our website and click right on the top. There's a pick a service button. Kabam. Or if you want to text pick into that number, which is kind of our texting system, uh, you can text word pick into there. I know it'll bounce you right back with the same link. You just type in kind of how many people are in your family, quick thing, what service you are planning to attend on up front. It'll help us stay organized. How many of you guys know, like, we like to be organized? Like, you like to be organized, right? So, so we, gotta, we wanna be organized as church leadership and staff to help us make us sure we're prepared. And so if you wouldn't help us out, please text in. That way we know what to do and how to be prepared for everything and how much coffee to be making for which service and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, because we don't wanna run out of coffee, no, we do not. That's right. It is. That's right. I mean, there's a whole book in the Bible called Hebrews because, yeah, you know it. You know it. Oh, the terrible preacher joke. I'm, I, I, I swear I'd never say it. My dad used to do that when I swore. I'm never going to do that. I'm old. I'm telling all the dad jokes and everything. I can't can't help it. But guys, it's good. God's doing some good stuff in our church, and it's exciting to be part of it, isn't it? It's exciting to see God doing some things. It's great. And then the next thing I have is this, is that next week is Baptism Sunday. Come on. That's right. So we have a couple people signed up to get baptized, but if you have not been baptized yet, it is not too late. You can sign up right now. You can go to our website, or there's even a text thing on. Uh, you can text CONNECT in. There's a green slide that's going to come up in a few minutes. And you can text CONNECT in, and you can check a box that says I want to get baptized. So you can make a phone call into the office. You can email into the office. You can text in and do the text system, whatever, whatever floats your boat. We try to make it as easy as possible for you. But here's what baptism is if you don't know. You see, baptism is this outward display of what God's already started doing inside of you. There's a point where, where you make a decision to follow Jesus, and it's something that's personal, right? You make that decision to follow Jesus. Sometimes it might happen in a service. Sometimes it might happen in a small group. It might happen just you and him alone in your bedroom, and you're like, God, I just decided to give my life to you. Well, you make that decision in, in private. It's a personal thing. Baptism is when you're, it's an outward display of that decision you've already made. And guess what? It is a party in our church when you get baptized. And so next Sunday we're doing, if you have not been baptized, I need you to sign up, get baptized. We want to celebrate with you in that decision. And so let us know that you're coming uh, so that we can help get you the information that you need so that you show up ready to go. Like for example, here's a simple one that you, you need to know. Don't wear a white shirt. Right? Like you think about, oh yeah, I'm about to get wet and there's stage lights on over here. It's a bad recipe. Don't wear a white shirt. Like that's one of the tips that we give you, you know. So you're like, oh man, see how valuable that is? You gotta know the other ones too. So text and let us know they're getting baptized so that we help you be prepared for to make this an awesome, awesome time. Well, Anyhow, my name is Matt. If we haven't met, I'm Pastor Matt. My wife, Amber, and I are the pastors here at the church. We'd love to get to know you. And again, you can just say hi by texting guest into the same number. That's our office system. And, and, and it's a quick little way for us to kind of introduce each other and get to know one another. And, um, and so we'd love to get to know you. Um, if you came prepared to give this morning as well, there are drop boxes um, throughout the building. Uh, you can also go digital with this system as well if you are an online giver. You can do that as well. In fact, I want to pray real quick over the, the tithes and offerings that, that will be coming in. So Heavenly Father, we just we thank you that you are generous God and you've given to us so generously. God, allow us to continue to, to give and support the mission of the church. God, I pray that every dollar that comes in to City Church will be exponentially blessed and everywhere that it goes would have fantastic impact to extend your kingdom right here in our city. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, we're in a series called Anxious for Nothing. Anxious for Nothing. Is that even possible? We've been talking about anxiety over the, over the last few weeks. And, uh, and, and if you've hung around me long enough, you know that I always have terrible, terrible uh, jokes. <coughs> I can't, just can't help myself. 
And so did you hear about the Supreme Court decision that got handed down while Ginsburg was absent from the bench? It was ruthless. I know, yeah. Somebody over there was going to throw a tomato, I, I, could, I could tell. <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I was given the decision to either be really popular or have a good memory. And um, honestly, I can't remember what I chose. <laughs> I'm, I'm too calm to be a dermatologist because I can't make rash decisions. <laughs> I know, where do I find these things, Right. Where can I find these things? When I was younger, my teacher, he would ask, she asked me one time, I was like, Matt, do you have trouble making decisions? And, and I said, well, it kind of depends. Yes and no. <laughs> That's like the slow roll. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there was this manager, and, and he was needing to hire somebody on his staff. And so he put out a, an ad looking for things. He, he got tons of applicants scheduled a day for interviews, had a bunch of interview people lining up. The first candidate comes in, sits down at his desk, and they're having this conversation. And, and he says, well, it sounds like you've got a lot of good stuff going for you. Um, in fact, you, you, you display this kind of unique ability. It seems like you can think well on your feet and that you can make quick decisions. Can you give me an example of, of what that would look like? And he says, no problem. He stands up. He walks over to the door. He opens it up and says, you guys can go home. The position's been filled. <laughs> Quick decision thinking right there. That was decisions. Sometimes decisions can be stressful, can't they? You think, can I go this way or, or do I go that way? Do I do it this way or do I do it that way? Do I, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I will make a decision like, do I go to the left or to the right? And, and if I think about the left decision, do you do this? Maybe I, I do this where I think about the left, but then I don't just think about that decision. I think if I make this decision, well, then this might happen and this might happen and that might happen. There's these different forks in the road. I start to play out every scenario of which way I could go. And then what happens is now I'm stressed out about something that was like 15 decisions down the line way over there, Right? And, 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 I, and I can't even make the decision today because I'm stressed out about that and I'm stressed out about on the other side, the opposite side of it. Have you guys ever been there? Where the decision, you're like, I'm thinking about it so much and I can't figure out which way to, which way to go, which way to, to do. And then you have the simple decision you have to make today, but you can't even make that decision because you're so stressed out about everything and the implications and the rolling impact that it might have. It's just, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. It reminds me of a, of a judge that had to make a really difficult decision. He's in Dallas, Texas, and Dallas, Texas judge is, is, is faced with this child abuse and neglect case. And, the, and, and the, 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 the mom and the dad have really abused this child, and, and, and they, they, they would physically beat the child. And, and so the child is now grown up a little bit. He's, he's 12 years old, and, and he says, well, I've got to put you in custody of somebody, and I want to put you in the custody of your aunt. And the kid's like, no way. The aunt beats me more than, more than, um, than my, my parents. And and he's like, well, do you have anybody else in the Dallas area that, that could take care of you? And, 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 the, and he put in a request, and the judge says, no, we really can't do that. And really tough decision, and he had to think through it and think through it. And eventually he says, okay, I'll, I'll place you. Um, he wanted to be placed with the Dallas Cowboys. And he says, only because they rarely beat anybody. <laughs> 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 All the cowboy fans are like, I got a three and O. Is that are they three and O? I I don't I don't know. I can't I can't keep up with it. Yeah. I know. The I'm a Broncos fan. I don't have a whole lot of room to speak. It should have been a Denver joke, but um I I'm too much of a Bronco fan, I couldn't I couldn't do it because we're 0 and 3 right now. Guys, we make a lot of decisions, don't we? We gotta make a lot of decisions. This morning I got up and had to think, what do I want to eat for breakfast? Frosted flakes or Cheerios or eggs or what are you going to eat, right? And then you got to decide what to wear. And then, and then once you decide what to wear, you got to think through everything and, and all the different decisions. And if you have kids, it amplifies it because your kids are like, Mommy, what should I wear? Daddy, what should I wear? And you're like, now I got to pick what I wear and what you wear, you know? And I got all the decisions that start to pile on top of the decisions on top of the decisions. Some decisions don't seem like they have that big of an impact, but some of them really do have a big impact. There's those decisions that we make that can have negative impact on our life, both immediately and long-term. For example, if you just make a decision that leads to you drinking and driving, that could have a very negative impact in a very short amount of time. If you make a decision to start smoking cigarettes or some other substance, they may not have an impact immediately, but over time, you know that the health benefits, or health, health not benefits, but the, the <laughs> there are no health benefits, all right? Let me, 
<laughs> track record. But you know, if, you, if you're smoking cigarettes, you just know that over time, you're going to have significant health challenges that are going to result from that, right? And it's going to happen over time. We all make decisions every day. Some of them are minor. Some of them are major. Some of them have short-term impact. Some of them have long-term impact. Some of them have generational impact. How should I raise my children? Right? If you're a parent, how should I raise my children? The decisions that I'm making right now to raise my children will have impact probably long after I'm gone. They will still be in therapy after I'm dead <laughs> to undo everything that I've done. Right? And so, it, but how do I do that? Right? What do I do? Do I spank them? Do I ground them? What's the punishment choices? How is that going to work anymore? Right? Like, like, is this good or is this bad? Am I too hard on them? Am I too soft on them? Every parent can relate to that one. You're like, I, I, I don't know, am I being too hard or am I not? Because if I'm too hard, that's going to be a problem. And if I'm not hard enough, that's going to be a problem. And I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Where's the book? Where's the manual? The Bible has principles, but I want specifics, right? <laughs> How do I do this? I don't want to screw my kids up. You know, we, we have these, these decisions that we've got to make every single day, generational stuff. And as you're growing up, you have major decisions. You're graduating high school. Everybody's asking you, what college are you going to go to? What's your degree going to be? What are you going to be doing next in life? And, and, and every young person feels that pressure. They're like, what am I going to do? I don't know. I must be, am I going to be a doctor or a lawyer? I, I mean, what should I do? What school do I go to? Should I start in community college and then go to like big boy college? And, and like, what, what should I do? And then the big boy college I go to really matters, doesn't it? Depending what field I get into. But then I look at my parents and I say, gee, they had so much student loan debt they had to keep paying off. They were working so hard. I felt like they were just working to pay off the debt. Was it even worth it? Right? You know, and as a young person growing up, you have all these major decisions that you, that you got to make. Or maybe I shouldn't go to college. You can go to trade school. You can, you can become a welder or an electrician and make fantastic money and provide for your family really well. Right? So maybe college isn't even the path that, that you should be going on. Who knows? Right? But sometimes our decisions will give us anxiety. They would give us anxiety because we can't think through all of it and we, we're not sure what to do. <clears throat> so what happens when you just can't decide? What happens when you just can't decide? We've been in, series, in a series on anxiety and today I'm going to wrap it up. And if you've been around the last few weeks, you know we've been camping on this verse in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4. And, and if you have your Bible, you can turn to Philippians 4. Or you can read it on the screen if you'd like. And it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. <clears throat> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing this from jail. He is awaiting a trial, potentially execution. You see, Paul had this, this mission. He wanted to go preach the gospel of Jesus everywhere that he went. In fact, he was specifically trying to get to Rome when he got arrested this time. And he was trying to get to Rome because he thought, if I can get to the Roman rulers and leaders, then, then, and if I can preach and explain who Jesus is, and maybe they would give their lives to the Lord, there would be massive exponential impact to be able to result out of that. He thought, man, I could have so much impact if I could get to this place. And on his way, he thought he would be preaching, but he ended up in prison. He thought he'd be preaching, and he ended up in prison, awaiting a trial, potentially execution, and here's this guy who's trying to pursue his God-given purpose. He, he's got this dream in his heart from the Lord that he's trying to get after. And he finds himself stuck. And, and from that place that he's writing, may the peace of God that is beyond understanding. Sometimes you're in a situation, and you're in a situation that it, doesn't, it isn't logical that you would have peace. The circumstances around you are in a way where like, I just, the pressure is so much, you don't even know how you're going to get out of it. And, and, and your mind is being, being spun in, in circles from the anxiety of, of the situation that you're facing. But Paul, who is in the middle of probably the most crazy situation of all time, potentially execution. Listen, I, I know that you've got the pressure, the, the, the job or the money or the, or the relationships. or the, We all have pressures in our life that are coming and going. I, I doubt anyone here has the pressure of potentially being executed in the next week or two. She might have threatened it. 
<laughs> no finger pointing, no finger pointing. Yeah, that's right. But this guy has, say, he's saying the peace of God. The peace, how do you have peace while you're awaiting a trial and possible execution? The biggest form of anxiety decisions. Do you ever get anxious about the decisions you have to make? They're sitting in front of you and you just can't make it. What if I make a wrong decision? Am I going to step outside of the will of God? It's funny, I used to have this image of like a, a tightrope on the ground and as, as if like I got to make sure that every step that I take is exactly in the will of God. And, and, it, and it's like, okay, if, if I make one tiny misstep, oh, there we go. You blew it, Matt. <laughs> You'll never be where God wants you to be now. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God can work all things together, even, even your missteps. You see, decision-making is complicated sometimes. I think we can make it simpler, but decision-making is complicated. Making decisions can be, can be stressful. What if I make a not-great decision, or, or maybe I become indecisive? You have stress about all the different things in life. In your car, it's breaking down, and you're not sure, should I, should I keep pumping money into this thing that's dying, or, or should I spend more money that I may or may not really feel like I even have or to, to be able to buy a newer car, but at least that's going to get me to my job on time. And because and, if this one breaks down again, then I'm not going to, if I can't miss work again, they're going to fire me. And, and, and you know, like, what am I going to, what am I going to do? What, what am I going to, what am I going to go? In a newer car, eliminate repairs. What if you're dating Mr. Noncommittal? Do I keep dating the guy or do I ditch him? Right? Like, like do, I, do I keep staying with the guy or do I, do I get rid of him? Your friends are like, listen, this guy's never going to commit. You should just cut your losses. But no, I've so far invested, maybe I should stay. Right? You, you have all these decisions that you've got to make, some of them being very major life decisions in life. Sometimes it just gets so complicated. Decision-making anxiety is kind of like a roller coaster. Right? Think about it. You're on your way up. Think, 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 think. Oh. Why are we so anxious about decisions? Why are we so anxious? I got two reasons. I got two reasons of why. And we live in this age of anxiety right now. There's there's so much information. And number one is this, there's just too many choices. Have you ever been on Netflix and trying to find something to watch and you just like watch the preview, like they have a little preview video and you like watch the preview video and you're like, no, I don't know, maybe next one. Preview video, eh, I'm not really sure. Next one, preview video. Pretty soon you're like, oh, it's time to go to bed. You didn't even watch anything because you're just so many choices of watching the preview videos. I'm not really sure. But then you get on an airplane, there's only five movies to choose from on the whole thing and you're like, man, I want to watch three of them. You know, what am I supposed to do here? Right? Like all th- when you have too many decisions, you become almost overwhelmed with the decision-making ability. Too much information, too many things. You, you realize that there was an article that just came out that, that said that kids have to make 3,000 decisions every day. Kids, adults over 35,000. 35,000 decisions every day. Some of them small, like, what am I going to wear today? What shoes should I put on? What shirt should I wear? I used to not care. I used to not care. And then we started videotaping our, our sermons. <laughs> I, yeah, honest to God. So I'm videotaping the sermons that are on the website. And I remember um, I went to the website and I, and I looked and I realized that I wore the same shirt three weeks in a row. And <laughs> had no idea, right? I was like, oh my gosh. And then I realized like there was one week off of a different shirt and then there was two weeks on of the same shirt. I had a favorite shirt that I used to love to wear all the time. It's still in my closet. It hangs on there. But just out of principle, I won't wear it anymore because I wore it. I didn't even realize I was doing it. And I looked at the website and I was like, did I preach all those sermons on the same day? So... <laughs> I got all self-conscious about it, you know, and so it was like, so now when I get dressed on Sunday mornings, <laughs> I literally pull up the website, go to say, okay, when is the last time I wore this thing, and I got to make sure I didn't do it. It's another decision I got to make. I didn't used to have to do this, but now I got to do this thing, <laughs> and I don't really care, but I realize, like, oh, man, I really probably should care about this decision. Some of the decisions, I like had 35,000 different decisions every single day that we're making, which is why we get this, 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 that, that decision fatigue. We get wore out. Have you realized that, that maybe you don't even realize you're doing this, but subconsciously you have eliminated decisions out of your life 
that, that, that you don't have to make anymore. That's why you drive the exact same way to your office every single day. Because you don't have to make any decisions anymore. I'll leave the church some afternoons. I'll start heading home. As I'm pulling into the driveway, I realize I don't remember a single thing about that drive. <laughs> I'm like, how did I even get here? Straight up autopilot. Have you ever done that? You, no, I don't know. That's on somebody like, no. <laughs> Good for you. But you're like, like you, I autopilot all the way, right? And then all of a sudden I arrive and I'm pulling into my driveway and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it scares me almost for a moment because I realized I made a bunch of decisions on autopilot, like whether to stop at that red light or not. Or maybe I didn't, so I just don't know. But right, so we make these decisions. It's funny, you look at Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook. He wears the same clothes every single day. Now, it's not the same shirt. I imagine his closet is just nothing but gray t-shirts and blue jeans, right? And because and, and, he wears the same thing every day because it's one less decision that he has to make. Right? He had one less decision that he has to make. Some of us are worn out because we have so many choices and so many decisions. Every decision takes energy. Every single decision takes energy. Number two is the reason we're so anxious about decision is we're afraid of making a costly mistake. We don't want to miss God's will. And right now, it's crazy. We, we all have the image of perfection in front of us every single day as we troll the gram and Facebook. We're, we're looking and we're seeing everybody's perfection in the way that they're doing things. That perfect angle. How many selfies did they take before they actually posted that? Have you seen that happening in a restaurant? They, they take a picture, take a picture, no, no, no. Take a picture, take a picture, no. Take a picture, take a picture, no. Take a picture, oh, there's the one. We're going to post that one. Listen, we can't, like, we, we are always constantly comparing our behind-the-scenes and practice tape to everybody else's highlight reel. We are. Everybody's got their highlights out on the internet, and, and we're constantly being exposed to that. And we have this weird illusion that we need to be perfect, and we don't. And, and so that's one is that we want to make, don't want to make a costly mistake in the illusion of perfection. If you're single, you're like, i got to find the one, the one. There's only one. If I've missed the one that I'm doomed to a life of singleness for the rest of my life, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Am I, am I dating the one? I'm not sure. Are they the one? I'm not know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure if what we're going to do. Right? And so you can't, can't really decide. And then, and then you think, well, maybe I should break up with them. But what if they're the one? But there's this other cute guy in the office over there. Maybe I should date him. I, I don't really, I'm not really sure. You get all kind of wound up thinking about all the anxiety of, of what's going to happen. The perfection. I'm going to miss God's will. What if I miss the one? What if you don't find your purpose? Pastor talks about finding his purpose and, and finding your purpose. And I don't know what my purpose is. I can't find my purpose. If I don't find my purpose, then what's going to happen? I don't know that I'm going to live my life in this terrible place. And, and, <clears throat> right? Got quiet. I'm not sure. Is that you guys are like, this guy's weird? Or like, ah, oh, that man, he's messing with me. Am I going to fall out of God's will? I'm not sure what to do. I hesitate. I freeze. Maybe I'm not going to do anything. Indecision ends up being a decision. Indecision ends up being a decision. It's complicated. You can quickly fall into a place of analysis paralysis where you're constantly in a circle of analyzing over and over and over and over again. Thinking about buying a new car. Analyzing over and over and over the pros and the cons and the ups and the downs and the and you start cycling through well which car should I buy I'm not sure that one gets better gas mileage and that one gets something else and if you wait long enough the next model of car comes out and you're like oh hey okay and then you start the process all over again. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're still driving the car you used to drive because your indecision ultimately is a decision to keep driving what you've been driving. Right? Which school should I go to? Which grade should I get? Which classes should I enroll for? You can sit there with the, with the book trying to figure out which classes to enroll for in college. And, and then the whole time you're like, I'm not really sure. I can't decide. You missed the enrollment deadline. Your indecision ended up making a decision that you're not going to college this semester. Right? Your indecision can end up being a decision. So I want to give you five quick tips on decision making. These are five things that I do all the time. And so I'm just going to blow through these things. I'm not going to go into any detail. Just maybe write these down if you, if you are having a hard time making decisions. Number one is this, is avoid the either-or scenarios. When I have a decision to make, I try to avoid the either-or scenarios. Sometimes I can wrap in my mind the goal that I'm trying to reach. I can think about what the end result would look like, and I can get so focused on the end, what the end result might look like 
um, and, 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 and as an example. And so then what happens is that I think I either do this or I don't do this. Sometimes I just want to tell you, challenge you, if you're getting stuck in an either or situation, take a break, back up, widen your perspective and say, God, is there a more creative solution to the problem that I'm looking at? Sometimes we get fixed on our solution when God is saying, I have a better, I have a better solution for you. So, so back up. Don't, don't get stuck in the either or. Number two, avoid decision fatigue. Avoid decision fatigue. If, if you are making a lot of decisions and, and you have to make a decision and you realize I'm in this, this decision fatigue, back up, say, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going I'm to take a break and I'll come back to this later, right? There's, there's a good time and a bad time to make decisions. In fact, the New York Parole Board had to make a decision. There's this there recent article I read. They had to make 1,100 parole decisions. At the end of the day, they put one-third of the people that applied out on parole. And so when they went and looked at it, 70% of the parolees happened in the first two hours of the meeting. The last 30% happened over the course of the rest of the day. 70%. And then all of a sudden, it was a st- steep decline on paroles. By the end, it was like single-digit percentage of, yeah, 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 they let them out. Why? Because they got decision fatigue. Halfway through the process, they're like, no, 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 no. And they, they basically had to make a decision, and they didn't want to err on the side of letting somebody dangerous on the street. So they're just like defaulted to no. It's interesting to watch how decision, decision fatigue can wear you out. It takes mental energy. Number three, become your own personal advisor. If you were asking yourself for advice, what would you do? Think about it that way, right? I got to make this decision. What should I do? Sometimes you get so emotionally wrapped up in your decision that it's hard to, to know what exactly to do. Think about it this. If so-and-so, my friend, came to me and asked me this, what would the advice be that I would give that person? Start to maybe remove yourself for a minute and think about that. So, so become your own like little personal um, advisor. Um, number four, decide when you're going to decide. We procrastinate the difficult decisions. There is a healthy delay and an unhealthy delay in making decisions. If you get a decision offered to you, I get them all the time. I have to make decisions every day just like everyone else. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know what the answer is. And I say, I'm going to think about it and I'm going to pray about it. Well, I'll be honest. Sometimes I'm thinking I'm praying about it, and some days I'm like, I just don't want to make that decision right now, right? And as I think about it, I'm going to pray about it. And so how much thinking and praying is it going to be? Sometimes you have to make a decision deadline for yourself to get past that. And number five is this, is listen for spiritual direction. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Keep a list of times when you feel prompted during the day. You ever have this? You're like, huh, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a long time. Random thought that pops in your head. That might be the Lord saying, hey, why don't you give that person a call? Right? Like, make a list, have something, I have an app on my phone. If you've ever talked to me in the lobby and, like, something came up that I needed to do or whatever, you'll see me pull out my phone right there, and I'm like, I'm put that in my list right now because I want to make sure I get it done. I don't forget it, right? And, and so you, you have to make a, make a list of, like, the things that pop up. It might be the Lord telling you to call and check out on that person. You might be an instrument of God coming to check on somebody who's in a difficult spot. Right? So keep, keep, it, keep an eye out. Keep, keep a listen out for this. Listen for the spiritual direction. Okay, there's, that's it, and that's my practical. All right, don't complicate it. Sometimes decision-making feels so complicated, and, and we, we really can't complicate it. It's got to be something that, that I think there's a simple way to do it. In fact, there's a powerful story in Acts chapter 15, and the leaders of the church are dealing with complicated issues. They're dealing with complicated issues, and, and there's a lot of traditions in the time of the time, and, and they're not sure how to handle it. There's, there's a list of what you could eat or couldn't eat, and the church leaders are like, well, that was a tradition of the time, but, but how are we going to handle that? What's the decision that we have to make? No matter what decision they made, some people are not going to like that decision. That's part of being a leader. If you are in a position of leadership anywhere, you will have to make decisions, and decisions that you make, some people will like, some people will not like. I make decisions that some of you guys like and some of you guys don't like. And, and our leadership team makes decisions sometimes that you like or don't like. And, 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 and that's just it. If we've decided things that you like, then other people wouldn't like it. You know, it's just sometimes as a leader, you've got to take a step back and make a decision of what's best for the, for the, for the organization, what's best for the, for the thing that you're in, at work for the group that you're in, right? You've got to make it. So these church leaders are trying to make a decision to figure out what is the next, what's the, the, the right way for the church for, to proceed in these areas and, and, and whether you should eat or not eat, be circumcised or uncircumcised. Could you imagine that, men? I really want to follow Jesus. I'd like to join the church. The membership class is a little tough, right? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you know, like, 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 it'd be tough, right? So they're like, they're trying to figure out, like, like, what, what are the things that, like, I really like to eat this kind of meat, but if I join this church, I can't eat this kind of meat anymore? Like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. 
Sometimes our traditions can put weird barriers between people and Jesus. And so they have to make this decision. And so they're, here we go. They've, they've been talking about it. They go through verse number 22. It's on the screens. Then it seemed good. Say seemed good. It seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And it seemed good to us, having become of one mind to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. They kept going and it said, for it, that's right, to the Holy Spirit and to lay us lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, than these essentials, keeping it simple. So what do you do when the Bible doesn't speak directly to your situation? I'm not sure what kind of a car I should buy. The Bible clearly says that they all rode in one accord. <laughs> but I want a truck. <laughs> Sinner. So what do you do when the Bible doesn't speak directly to your, de- to your decision? Right? Should, should, I, should I move my family for this job or should I not? What should I do here or there? I don't really know. And sometimes it's like, well, maybe you should do what seemed good. Oh, but, but pastor, isn't there another? There's another verse. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Wait a minute. So how can it seem good and be in the, the right decision and then also seem good and lead to death? What is it? Because I can't just do what seems good because you and me, Our heart is deceitful at times. Sometimes we want something that isn't good for us. And we want it. And why? Well, I just want it. (laughs) I just want it. Here's what I found. That if you're around the wrong people, listening to the wrong voices, living for the wrong values, what seems right will often be wrong. You got in the wrong crowd? Maybe you're in the wrong place. Maybe you're in the right place, but at the wrong time. Think about it for a minute. Are you going to take marriage advice from the guy in your office who's been divorced three times and his fourth wife, they're now in a terrible relationship? Hmm, probably not. That's probably not a good person to get marriage advice from. How about the single guy in your office? Right? The single guy in your office, here's what you need to do. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a minute now. I don't care how wise they are. You're going to get marriage advice from the single guy? I don't know. I don't think that's a good, a good idea. How about that broke uncle you got? Taking financial advice? I got a great, you know, if you can go to them. with. How, how about the guy who's, 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 who's not doing well financially? You're going to go ask investment advice? No, you're not going to do that, right? You got to find somebody that's in the direction that you're trying to go, and that's the person you should be receiving advice from. I mean, it's kind of common sense. If you're married, go find somebody that's a few steps down the road from you that has a marriage that you want to have, and you say, gee, can we go get dinner? Let's go hang out. I got a question. How do you handle this? How do you handle that? Right? You, you, you look forward and say, this is the person I want to get advice from, the person who's in the direction that I want to be going. So how could Paul, James, Barnabas, other church leaders comfortably, church leaders, they, they make decisions about doctrine, church direction, eternal destiny. Oh, it, just, it just seemed right. It seems kind of casual, doesn't it? They're making a decision about circumcision or not circumcision. Man, it just, just seems right. Of course it seems right. Yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. And, you know, like, like eat meat or not eat meat, right? Like, like well, how are we going to do this? How are we gonna, what kind of food should we prepare or not prepare? I don't know, just, I like shrimp, so we're going to eat shrimp. You know, like, what is it? It just seemed right. It just seemed right. It seems kind of arbitrary, doesn't it? It just seems kind of, you know, some days you just feel like tacos, and then some days you feel like steak. Typically on Tuesdays, it's tacos. <laughs> but, but you know, like, like, you feel like tacos, you feel like, like, it's just like, well, I just feel like tacos, so we're going to be doing tacos now. Like, as if you're choosing your dinner option. It's, it just felt right. It just seemed right. It's interesting. We, we go back to that verse, in, and it says this, it seemed good to the apostles, the elders, and with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And it seemed good to us, not me, to us, having become of one mind to select men 
to send to you our beloved Barnabas and Paul, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. When you make decisions in isolation, that's what Proverbs is talking about. What seems right to a man can lead to death. You make decisions in isolation. You have decisions in front of you that are causing you anxiety. How are you going to make those decisions? If you're making the tough decisions in life in isolation, it's not a guarantee, but there's a high risk for sure of you making the wrong decision. So with the whole church, having become one mind and Holy Spirit. So next week, we're going to pick what you're going to wear to work on Monday. No, I'm kidding. But you know, like, but you, you know, when you have these tough decisions that are in front of you, that's when you find people who are in the church. The church isn't the building. The church is you and me. We're people. The church is a body of believers, right? And so that's why small groups are important. That's why having relationships inside of the church are so important. Because when you're facing these tough decisions, now as the church, you get to make that decision. Yes, you're a smaller section, subsection of the church. But now you have your three or four people that you're together. Now you're the church and you're making, helping say, hey, with one mind and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When you're earnestly seeking God together, you find wisdom in a multitude of counselors, the Bible says, right? And, and so now all of a sudden, your tough decisions that, that can lead to anxiety, I'm telling you, the enemy, his trick is to isolate you. He wants to remove you from people he, because he understands that just like a lion who's chasing an animal in the wilderness, he finds the one that's separate from the pack and goes for that one because it's the easier target. He wants to separate you from the pack, which is why you have to get into the pack. You have to get into the herd. It brings protection. It brings wisdom. It brings help. And it brings uh, someone to help carry the load with you as you're, as you're connected in church. This is why the church is so important. It's not just a thing you show up for for an hour once every six or eight weeks when the kids are not having practice and the weather's too bad to go to the lake, but, but, or, you know, and, and, but not, not bad enough that you can't drive out of your house. Well, now we're going to, you know, there's no soccer games. There's no this, there's no that. The Broncos are on the late game, so I can come to the church service at 10. And, of course, in the coming up here, we have a 9 and a 1045. So you don't have any excuses because you can still watch even the early Bronco game if you come to the early service. Can I get an amen? That's right. I'm thinking about you and the Broncos. All right. So, of course, I don't get to do that because i got to be at both. But that, that, that's, that's okay. It's worth it. It's worth it. And, and so, but you know what I mean? Like we, 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 we have to make these decisions in life. And I'm telling you, when you get isolated and alone and you get alone with your own thoughts, sometimes your own thoughts can be deceiving. You can tell yourself lies. You've done it, good and bad. You've told yourself you're better than you are. You've told yourself you're worse than you are. You look in the mirror and you overanalyze your face. I do. What's wrong with my face? God, why did you make me this way? Thank God you look at the heart. There's a big difference between what seems right to a man leads to death and the difference between a group of faith-filled, devil-kicking, mountain-moving disciples of Jesus who are searching his word, seeking his heart, and listening for his voice. There's a difference for what seems right in that context and seems right when you're alone as an individual. The whole church, one accord, unified. When we're in fellowship, agreement, and of one spirit, it seemed right. It seemed right. That's why we have a group of elders to help lead the church. Because it was just up to me and all my decisions. I don't know. I think the place would be awesome, but most of you guys wouldn't like it. We have a group of people. <laughs> I'd make it exactly the way that I wanted. We have nothing but a bunch of bald hair, you know, mid-40s, bald, bearded guys in here going like, the place rocks, you know? So like, <laughs> if it was just my decisions, right? you got to have a multitude of counselors in your life, people that you can trust, people that can be part of it. You can't complicate it. Here's the thing. The last few weeks, we've talked about this, and um, if, you've, if you've missed it, you can always go back and listen and watch on, online. Don't complicate it. Listen, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Anxiety is a signal. It's the light on the dashboard that comes on. When the check engine light on your dashboard comes on, there is a multitude of things going on under the hood of your car. 
there's hundreds, if not thousands of possibilities of what could be actually happening in the vehicle when the light comes on in your dash. Anxiety is that light. What's going on underneath the hood is complicated. I'm not going to lie. It's complicated. In fact, I really believe in this. I've said this every week and I'll say it again. I believe in a holistic approach to dealing with anxiety. A holistic approach to dealing with anxiety. And what I mean by that is this, is that you, you might see, need to see a therapist, a Christian therapist, because they can deal with both the natural and the supernatural, the spiritual side of things. They can, they can weave those together. You might need to see somebody to talk to. There's no shame in that. I have seen a Christian counselor and a therapist at times. I had my own anxiety issues that I had to work through. Yes, I went to go see a counselor and a therapist. You might be in a tough season where you need to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Make sure you pick somebody that is a Christian counselor and therapist so they can deal with the spiritual as well as the natural. You might have something going on in your body where you have a chemical imbalance that you need to get past something and you might need some medicine to help get you past the bump that you're in. I will say this, that I think it may be physical. There may be emotional things or mental things that are happening. I would say that it is always spiritual. Anxiety, anxiety always has a spiritual side of it. You know, I want to tell you that we've got into this natural rut in our mind of anxiety from time to time. And if we think we're going to naturally bounce out of it all on our own, uh, sometimes you're just not able to do that. Why wouldn't you bring a supernatural power into your life to help you get out of that rut that you naturally got into? It'll get you out of that thing so much faster. I think you should always pray. You should always engage God. Always engage Him in, in, when you're dealing with anxiety. Don't always have power control, but you always have the power to surrender. We talked about that two weeks ago. You don't always have the power to control the situation because you always have the power to surrender the situation to God. Last week, we talked about this because of who God is, we're going to rejoice. The perspective of praise will break you out of your prison of anxiety. And today, this is my bottom line. If the band would come, because I'm going to wrap up. With a posture of prayer and perspective of praise, we will seek God and do what seems right. With a posture of prayer and a perspective of praise, we will seek God and do what seems right. You've done this before. I've done this before. You're driving with GPS. Happened to me this week. I've got the address pumped into my system. And the phone, good old Apple Maps, is, is telling me where to go. And driving down the road, and it's take your next right. Well, I'm looking, and there's kind of like this weird side right. And then there's like another like residential street right. And then there's a stoplight with a major right. Well, which right is it? Is it this one, that one, that one? I don't know. Take your next right. I took the next one. It was the weird side one. I took it. I turned in, and, and, and I'm pulling in. I'm realizing this seems like a really odd thing, and, and I'm like, oh, man, I totally screwed it up, so I've got to turn back around. i got to get back out, and, I, and I've got to do this. We look at life sometimes, and we think, God is saying turn right or turn left, and we take the wrong turn, and we find ourselves in a place that we didn't want to end, be in. We ended up in a place that was confusion or lost or where you found yourself in a place that was even a dark place and, 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 and you've made a decision that you've ended in a bad spot. And you think, oh man, I totally derailed it. I screwed it up. I stepped off the high wire. I've messed up my whole life. But that's not the case. You see, God still has a destination for you in mind. You woke up this morning. He's not done with you yet. You're still moving. You're still going forward. Here's what happens in my car. As I, I pull in, I realize I'm in this weird parking lot thing. And, and, and it says in Romans chapter 8, it says this, that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. You still have a purpose. I still had a purpose. I still had a destination. And this is what happens. I pull into this thing, and I don't know what I'm, where I'm at. I'm pulling around. I'm lost. I'm backing up. The next voice that I hear is this, rerouting. Rerouting. Listen, you may have made a mistake in your life, but God is trying to reroute you back onto the plans and purposes that he has for you. You've made bad decisions. Your anxiety has crippled you. Maybe you made an indecision that resulted in a decision. But when you're there, you, you find yourself and you're like, I made a mistake in life and what am I going? Where am I ended up? I've totally screwed up what's happening in my life. God says, listen, I can reroute you. I can redirect you. I can relead you. You haven't messed it up. Just listen to my voice and I'll get you right back onto the track and the path that you need to be on. If we make a wrong turn, God is still working in the midst of it. Paul, he's in prison. He's writing this verse. What has happened to me, he says, is to advance the gospel. 
one wrong turn won't keep me from the desired destination. It might be a slightly different path, but the destination will still be there. And God will still work all things to his glory, even though we made a wrong decision. God has our way of bringing out good things out of our wrong turns. You dated that guy, you end up breaking up. I can't believe I did that. Dated that girl, broke up. Why did I do that? You know what? You know what a godly person's supposed to look like now. Or you know what an ungodly person looks like at least, so you know what to avoid next time. When you finally meet that person, you have a much greater appreciation for who they are. There's some good that can come out of that bad decision that you've made. I shouldn't have trusted that person. Maybe you now learn how to forgive. Maybe you learn how to forgive them, but maybe you learn how to forgive yourself in that process. Shouldn't have been so stupid. Now you understand God's grace. Because even in the midst of your mistakes, his grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's more than enough. Maybe you've made the wrong friends or you've chosen the wrong kind of entertainment for your life. The wrong girl, the wrong guy, the wrong place, the right place, the wrong time. Don't complicate it. With a posture of prayer and a perspective of praise, we will seek God and do what seems right. Philippians 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that for everyone here this morning, that God, I just ask that your peace would just be here right now. The peace that isn't logical peace that's beyond our our mind's comprehension, the one that's beyond our own understanding. God, will you just invade the hearts of everyone here this morning? God, just bring peace into their life, just that they would know that you are here and that you are with them. God, I pray that the decisions we have to make, the anxieties that we struggle with, that, that God, you would be here with us in the midst of it all. God, I pray for those here this morning that that you've not, you need to have a decision in front of you right now. That, that you're, you're looking at a tough decision in your life right now. God, I just ask right now that you would just give them your wisdom and your eye, your perspective, your heart. God, you would surround them with wise counselors who, who love you, Lord, and love them and would help them make the right decisions in their life, what they're facing right now. There might be somebody here today that you've not made a decision, probably the most important decision in your life of whether or not you're going to follow Jesus, whether or not you're going to live for him, whether or not he's going to be the Lord of your life. Today is that day for you. You've got a fork in the road right now. Maybe you were a follower of Jesus and, and you've walked away, and today's your day. You need to make the decision to come right back. He wants to reroute your path. Will you listen to his voice and take the step that he's asking? Right here, right now, you can make that decision. Whether you're far from God, you've never met the Lord, or maybe you've met him and walked away, today's your day. And this is what this is going to look like, is, is that you can make this decision. So, so right here, right now, this is the day, this is the time. Don't let the moment pass you by. And here's what we're going to do, is that we're going to say a simple prayer, one of where we're surrendering, surrendering our life to Jesus. And if it's your decision day, I want you to pray it with us. If you're already a follower of Christ, I want you to pray along with us too so you support those who are making this decision. So here we go. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you. I admit that I have made sins. I admit that I have done wrong by you. And I choose to believe that your son Jesus paid the price for me. He made a way where there was no way. God, help me to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those who made a decision. Now, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to know about it. You can grab me in the lobby. You can text me. Whatever you want to do, let me know because I want to help you on your next steps and journey. 
But come on, church, will you stand with me? Let's sing one last song before we leave this morning. There is a life, salvation's flame. Sliced undefeated, trampled the grave. See now the cross, you lifted high. A light is come, a light is won. Behold the Christ, hope as a You live right, just stay in line. You've heard it all at least a million times. And like me, you believe.